Welcome to the Dr. Zap Show. Today I have a spunky, sexy, beautiful woman with me, Cinderella OG. <laughs> Cinderella OG, also known as Cindy Wachuku, prides herself on using her platform to encourage and educate her subscribers on self discovery, confidence, fashion, lifestyle, and beauty. Her platform operates on the foundation of mental health awareness and aims to offer a real perspective on women coming of age through her videos as well as her podcast, Settling Podcast. Using her master's degree in psychology, Cindy uses her platform to push awareness for mental health in her communities and so much more. Welcome, Cindy Rella. Thank you so much, Michelle. I'm so excited to be here. You look like a million bucks, girl. Thank you so much. I tried. I tried. Listen, <laughs> your fashion is so nice. Like, I love your you. Instagram and the way that you put your looks together. You. you do such a wonderful job just, like, exuding elegance. And Wow, elegance. You really? Do. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. I don't feel like that. You definitely do. Thank you. I appreciate it. I really do. Thank you. <laughs> it, that means so much to me. And I'm really excited to be here, by the way. I really admire you and this platform and what you've built. It's amazing. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about your YouTube channel. I want to say I love your channel Thank because you. your personality is so fun and refreshing and you're just like raw. But I love that you create content that really does help people in life and relationships and just with coming of age and self-discovery. So when people come on your channel, what do you want them to get from you? I want people to get from my channel mental health from, from your homegirl. Like, I really want people to, like, when they come to me, I want them to feel like they're on FaceTime, you know, when they're on my vlogs, when they're on my get ready with me's or whatever I'm doing, I really want it to be FaceTime, which is why I kind of started certain videos like my mental wealth diaries and um, kind of just like talking about my mental health updates, giving people advice, like in knowing, letting people know kind of like that, you know, you might admire what you see, mm -hmm. but just know you're not alone in the way you feel as well. I started off my platform doing much like this. I started off 19 years old, fresh and excited, wanting people to see like that there were so many possibilities of careers like they could do. Mm -hmm. So I started like interviewing black professionals on my channel. So I had like pharmacists. My my cousin was in Harvard Law at the time. So I, mm -hmm. I wanted people to know, hey, you can get into law school and look like this too. And stuff like that. Doctors, lawyers, engineers, pharmacists, uh, MBA at 23, you know? Mm -hmm. So I started off doing that on my channel and it was something that I really loved. But I, I realized more and more that I loved connecting with people. And I kind of just turned my channel more and more into that as well. So um, from there, it kind of went on to me starting other platforms. Um, like last year, I started Settling Podcast. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's become my little passion project, my little baby. I think that's why sometimes I can be a little inconsistent on it. Because I want everything to be perfect. Mm -hmm. um, I still kind of struggle with that. But yeah, that's... Uh, Cinderella OG, the brand, has just kind of blown up in something that I did not think it would be. I, I was just doing videos for fun. I've been making content maybe since I was like in the eighth grade. Wow. The first thing I ever made was... The first thing I can actually remember that I actually made 
was this video for my AP U.S. history class. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were able to finally do a video project. And that was my bread and butter because I was already like, you know, kind of using Windows Movie Maker. Okay. So I knew what I was doing. You right. know, I was talented. Of course. Of course. <laughs> so I used my my skills or Google will tell you everything you need to know. So I really used Google. I laid down tracks, made a parody to... Uh, Gangsta's Paradise. Oh, wow. My vocals were the only vocals on the song. Okay. Yes, I had another partner on the project. Uh. But it was it was my project. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm really anal when it comes to things like that. Uh-huh. But um, I did a project on how Gandhi influenced Martin Luther King Jr. and how they came together. My partner was Indian. I was, I'm Black, Nigerian-American. Mm-hmm. We both dressed up as both men. And we recorded across the entire school, like a whole music video. I did a whole skit with my friends that were in my drill team with Uh me. I made them do a skit about like, you know, racial relations and stuff like that. And it kind of like from there, I was like, yeah, no, I I like this. I really like doing this. I like making projects. You know, I think that's something that people don't really know is like, I've really been passionate about this for a long time but then like you know you you grow up and you have other passions and mm-hmm. somehow they intertwine into each other and I'm I'm really glad that I was able to make that of what it is now. Well you always come back and that's the important thing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so why the name Cindy Rada? <laughs> why the name? <laughs> so um my name is Cindy. Okay. And I grew up as the princess of my household. Okay. I just I always did. And I'm the first granddaughter on my mom's side, but on my dad's side, I'm not. Okay. So on my dad's side, he came here at the age of 19 with his elder brother, may he rest in peace. And um, they were the only cousins that I had in America. Okay. So when we saw them for the first time, one of my cousins, uh, Uzoma, kept saying, Cinderella, Cinderella. That's what he named me, Cinderella, Cinderella. Mm. And so I kind of just took it and ran with it. Cinderella, you know? That's so cute. And the OG, a lot of people think it comes from my middle name, which is Ogechi. Okay. But it's not that. What is that? Originally glamorous. <laughs> that's what that's where I named OG from. Because you know, originally uh, original gangster. That's uh-huh. what the original right, name is. Right. I'm that too. Of course. But <laughs> I um I actually went with, you know, I, I was like, yeah, I'm originally glamorous. Like mm-hmm. OG gotta stand for something. So that's yeah. Right. I so, love yeah. that. That's where it came from. Growing up in a Nigerian household, that must have been very interesting. It, it seems was. like <laughs> you were very connected with your family. You have mm-hmm. these videos that are so funny <laughs> with your mom and your brother yes. rating your outfit. <laughs> where you're wearing these like skimpy bikinis. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and your interaction is just so beautiful with your family. It looks mm. like you're really connected. How was it growing up in a Nigerian-American household? It was not always like that. Okay. I've always been close with my mom, yes, but I'm the first daughter in a Nigerian household. We butt heads a lot. How many siblings do you have? I have two little brothers. Two younger brothers. Two younger brothers um, that I had to be the third parent for. I see. Um, my mom was a doctor in Nigeria. I was an optometrist. And obviously, when you come to America, you have to start all over. Mm -hmm. So she actually had to do that. Went back to her undergrad. And then for four years, had to go to school in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. I live in Texas. Had to go to school in Oklahoma away from us. And obviously, she tried to come back as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And like sometimes we would even spend summers in Oklahoma when we could. But for a bulk of the time for those four years, I had to become the mom. Wow. Yeah, in fourth grade at that. that's so young. Starting from walking my brothers home, making sure they were fed when we got home, 
it used to overwhelm me because like on Mother's Day, like they would have to give me the presents and I hated it. I really hated it because I didn't want people to think that I was more grown than I was. You know, I wanted like to be a young girl. And, you know, as a black girl, they try to make us older. And I really felt it. Mm -hmm. Like, they don't really talk about enough, like, how much black girls actually do feel that growing up. How people try to, like, age us. Yes. And I really felt it. Especially being, like, a, like one of the few black girls in a very, like, predominantly white community. Okay. I had a bigger butt than everybody. I had bigger thighs. I hated sitting down because I, like, saw how my thighs were pressed down and how thick they were compared to, like, Sally or, or Kelly and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So I felt like I was aged so early, but my parents did a good job of making sure that I still remained a kid. Okay. So I loved growing up with my parents. My parents never made me feel, like, super different or anything like that. But you had to take on that responsibility. I did have to take on that responsibility on top of, like, making sure that my grades were good and everything like that, too. Mm -hmm. So when my mom was done with school and finally came back home, I felt like that was, like, my rebellious stage. Like, I was still, like, you know, the golden child. I was still, like, making, like, great grades and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But what I would consider a rebel mm -hmm. is, like, kind of, like, staying after school a little longer than I needed to. Yeah. Yeah. Talking to boys a little more. Writing mm -hmm. in my notebook, like, their names and stuff like mm -hmm. that. That was what I considered a rebel. I wasn't doing anything, like, crazy. Mm -hmm. But for what is known in a Nigerian household and how I knew my parents raised me, mm -hmm. that was, like, my rebel phase. And I felt like I could be a kid again. And That's what you were doing. I know, but... I want to be perfect for my parents. Like, me and my brothers really don't want to make my parents, like, anything else than proud. Mm -hmm. Like, we really, really care about what my parents think. We really care. Which is really good. Uh, is it? It is good, but it's also <laughs> important for you to go through the developmental stages exactly. that are normal. Exactly. You know, because unfortunately, that can also cause issues when you don't, as exactly. long as you're staying within boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I've just had this conversation with another one of my friends who was actually also Nigerian-American, yeah. and she was the first, the eldest sister of, I want to say, eight or nine siblings, mm -hmm. and she had to take on that role. So we were talking about how children are changing other children's diapers and how that's not good. Normal. It's not It's not normal. It's not good. And yeah. someone else made a comment. It's like, well, that's why you're the person you are today. Look at all you went through. And she's like, but I didn't want I didn't, to. I didn't, want, I didn't need to experience the things I experienced yeah. to be this person. Yeah. It wasn't all good. It was damaging. Yeah. You know, I had to go back and fix a lot of these things that really didn't have to happen. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes people, when you are successful and you've been in a situation like that, they sometimes overlook your pain because you are successful now. And you got to think about also culture. It's so normalized in our in our community, in the Nigerian community, for elder siblings to take on that role. But it's not just the Nigerian community. Yeah, I think that's yeah. what people think, that it's just... Yeah. It's Hispanic households. Yep. I've seen it with African-American households. Yeah. I do see it. I mean, maybe not so much with the Caucasians, mm -hmm. but I definitely see it in other cultures too. Indian households. It's a collectivism kind of thing. That's what it is. Yeah. Yes. I think America, why we don't see it in white households mm -hmm. often is because like America is so individualistic. That's what it is. Um, and like all these other countries, Mexico or like, you know, Hispanic countries in general, mm -hmm. um, African countries, Caribbean, even just... I mean, if we think about it, just the Black community in general comes... Where, where do you think that idea comes from? We, exactly. we all come from the same place at the end of the day. Exactly. So that collectivism mindset still, like, carries through. Mm -hmm. We see how all these athletes come and talk about how 
as soon as they make it, they want to buy their mom a house. They want to yes. make sure the hood is put on. You know what right. I'm saying? That comes from that collectivism thought process. That comes from that the standard of when you make it, you have to make sure everyone else is taken care of. My mom's brother, her older brother, my mom comes from a family of seven brothers and one other sister. She has one elder sister. My mom is what number? I think she's number seven out of mm-hmm. the nine kids. I think I'm right. She's number seven out of the nine kids. And my uncle um, went on to become an architect and literally had to pay for everybody else in the household for their school fees and everything like that. He had to take care of everybody else because that was expected of him. And what are your thoughts on that? (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that that is the example that was set for me because now I want to make sure that my brothers are taken care of. Anytime I know I have it, mm-hmm. hey, Cindy, I need to go grocery shopping. I even slide a little bit extra so that, you know, I know mm-hmm. Josh and Zach are taken care of because mm-hmm. I am that third parent. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of something that I'm proud of now. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get rid of the like collectivism thought process, but I do know that for me and my children, I would maybe want to... Implement that in a healthier way, I think. Because right now it's expected of me. Right. I don't want it to necessarily be expected of my children. I want them to choose that, you know, based on the examples that I set for them. Um, That's really well. I'm not pregnant or anything, by the way. (laughs) I'm just just saying um, for my future. Of course. (laughs) So, yeah. Well, yeah, it's interesting because I was actually just having this conversation with a group of women who are successful women Mm -hmm. who have been in these homes where they've had to take on the brunt of the load and then also have to give back because they were the first ones to make it. And we talked about this idea of like the money going back instead of going forward, right? So it's once you become successful or wealthy enough to take care of your family, that money is not going to taking care of your parents. Mm. But then your children aren't necessarily benefiting and their children and moving forward, they're not necessarily benefiting from your wealth because... It's taking care of all the people who you're trying to bring up from behind Mm -hmm. and whether or not that is healthy. And I like the way that you put it. It's not necessarily an expectation. Like your brother needs money for school. You pay for it instead of me paying for it because I'm the parent, right? Expected that you do it. Mm -hmm. I understand that it's like we all need to collectively bring each other up. But a lot of times that does fall on one particular person who put everything into their life to try to become successful. And sometimes, sometimes it does create that dependency where the other siblings don't ever really rise up or people don't rise up the way they should. That exactly is my father. Mm. Um, My dad is the youngest of four siblings, all boys. There's only two of them that are living now. Um, My dad and his eldest brother. Okay. However, lots of kids in the mix, right? Mm -hmm. And all my family, besides the ones I spoke of earlier, is back home in Nigeria. Mm. All of them. Okay. So the responsibility of making sure that everybody is taken care of back home, whether there's a funeral or a wedding or just basic necessities, a church needing to be re- rebuilt in, in the village, mm-hmm. my parents are the, one that are taking, uh, the ones that are taking care of that. Mm. So the thing is, I grew up with the example that you have to make enough to make sure that everybody is taken care of as well as your kids. I see. You know what I mean? I see. And... I see it as both a noble thing, like I admire my parents so much Mm -hmm. for that, but at the same time, I kind of sometimes offer that ear to my father, like, okay, if you need anyone, talk to your event. I kind of just let him kind of talk to me if Mm -hmm. he needs to, because 
he needs that outlet and stuff like that because he is the one that's taking care of everybody. He That's all he's known on his life is making sure that everyone's taken care of, especially being the one that came here yeah. and got to make things happen for themselves. Like, right. man, I, I always say when people know other people's stories, they'd be a lot nicer to them. Yes. But dang, I'm I'm very nice to my dad. I'll say that. <laughs> very nice to my mom and dad. Very, very nice, nice to my mom and dad because of that. Mm-hmm. Because I know their story, because I hear about their story more and more. Um, and because I care about their story. And it's important to have that compassion for your parents. I mm-hmm. think, especially in America, a lot of times we disregard our parents as we get older. Yeah. And like we we're talking about them as people. Yes. And they do have needs, they do need help. And like we're talking about with some of the Caucasian families, sometimes you see them putting their parents like in homes mm-hmm. versus when you look at some mm-hmm. of the ethnic families, when their parents get older, they bring them in their home. Yeah. And they take care of them themselves. Mm-hmm. And so there is that. It does kind of, in some ways, backfire at some point because those parents wish that their children would want them in their home. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I I do think it's important for people to take care of their parents and to take care of their families. But it is necessary, especially, I will say, when you're dating someone, to have these conversations, especially when they have family members abroad. Mm -hmm. But even if they're here, because Mm -hmm. most men who are noble men are going to want to take care of their families. Yeah. And if you're upset that your husband is sending their dad or their brother yeah. money yeah. every month when it's like, oh, our son needs swimming lessons. Like, why is this money going here? Yeah. It's part of the culture. Exactly. It's part of the culture, especially as a firstborn. Yeah. Right. I think that's kind of why I want to marry a Nigerian so bad. Okay. If I'm being honest, I think that's why, like, it's that cultural, like connection that like I feel like sometimes I don't know that I'll be able to get from anyone that's not Nigerian Mm. unfortunately my men have problems when it comes to cheating but (laughs) no no comment (laughs) no comment comment. do you have experience with a Nigerian man you might be (laughs) good luck good luck you might be rightfully compensated here's the number here today (laughs) I'm telling you, look, I, I I know the cultural backgrounds are very important when it comes to relationships yeah. for me, for exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. It's hard to explain to somebody why you have to send money back to the village. It's really hard to explain to somebody yes. why, you know, your, your cousin uh, might have to, you might have to pay your cousin's school fees. It's hard to explain that. It's yes. really hard to explain that to someone that might not understand or might not want to understand that, mm-hmm. right? So it's not that I'm against like uh, intercultural or interracial relationships. But it's just like for me and mine, I know that it's just easier. Unless someone like really comes to me and like actually wants to understand my culture and yeah. stuff like that, which there are people like like that are out there like that. But mm-hmm. it's it's just easier to have the mindset of, okay, you know what? I'm an Igbo girl. I want to find me an Igbo man. <laughs> No, I just, I just, you just do. You just want an Igbo man. And That's okay. Maybe I just want Igbo nothings in my ear, man. You know? That's all it is. Maybe I just want someone to call me a Molly Chawa. <laughs> Sweet girl. Okay, baby. One baby. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm it's actually okay. not because, because the thing is, other, other men will understand that. Other people yeah. will understand that. It's yeah. just a conversation and, and exactly. understanding. Mm-hmm. But it is, it is obviously a little easier. Yeah. You know, when the person has the same background as you. Do. It is, yeah. In terms of your YouTube channel, mm-hmm. you talk a lot about mental health. Yes. Because that's important to you. But why is it so important to you? Ah, 
man. Um, okay, so I don't talk about this a lot. Uh, in the fifth grade was when I think I had my first depressive episode. Wow. Yeah. Very young. I remember it, too. Okay. Fifth grade. This is a year after my mom, mm-hmm. you know, um, was in school. So it's a year into me taking on that responsibility. Wow, I'm, that's kind of just clicking right now. That's crazy. Um, but this is a year into, um, you know, me having to, you know, care for my brothers a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I wrote this note. And I'll never forget my teacher at the time, Ms. Malson, may she rest in peace, um, found it and called my dad about it. Uh, the note, con- you know, it, it contained messages of me wanting to not be here anymore, wanting to run away. I don't think I necessarily said I I, I wanted to not, you know, unalive myself or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I did talk a lot about like not wanting to be here, wanting to run away, okay. right? And that's the first time I remember that, like, I was not, like, happy, right? Mm. And I faked a lot of happiness, like, you know, growing up. Like, I faked a lot of it. I was I was a pretty sad kid. A lot of people didn't know that, but I was a pretty sad kid. I'll never forget when Take Care came out. Ooh, baby. I was in my room every night listening to it. I was like, Drake gets me. Drake gets me. <laughs> I was I was like probably in the the tenth grade listening to that that album. Um, I also like got bullied a lot in school for your skin. N- I, I mean that's some of it. <laughs> that's some of because it. you said you grew up in a mostly. Caucasian I did, neighborhood. but I, I'm girl. The, the people that were bullying were of my people. Oh. Yeah, unfortunately, I had this friend group that just. They would choose like two times out of the year where they just like wanted to turn the whole school against me. Uh-huh. And this is, went from second grade till my <laughs> freshman year of college. The same friend group. Yeah. We ended up going to college together. Wow. I left that school after my my freshman year for other reasons. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it literally went on from the second grade till my freshman year of college. So they wanted to turn everyone against you for some reason. Yeah, for some reason. Like it got so bad that sometimes like one, I think... It got so bad in the 10th grade that, um, like, they even tried to turn a teacher against me. By doing what? So, the teacher— Okay, so we (laughs) would—little story time. We would go to this teacher's uh, room for for lunch almost every day, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes, like, we wanted to chill with her, right? And she was one of those, like, cool, you know, black teachers Mm -hmm. that, like— And we didn't have a lot of black teachers at school, so anyone that we saw, like, we kind of clung to. We even, like, the same friend group, we clung to, like, one black teacher in in middle school, too. Uh, She was my seventh grade science teacher, but she was actually a good one. She was one of the good ones. You know, it's not till I became an adult that I realized, like, some of these bullies are the ones that are becoming teachers and nurses and stuff like that, too. Like, caring for other people. Let me tell you, it's true. So, this teacher, I don't know if she actually, like, was talking about other students to these people, but one of the girls, like, had mentioned, like, oh, yeah, she, all that teacher does is talk mess. Like, da da And, you know, the rest of us just kind of leading. She was, like, one of the, like, our leaders in the group, like, of our friend group. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, we just kind of overheard. I think that the, this is the day that she kind of went people to turn against me. Mm-hmm. She was like, you know, going around telling people things that she did was, was saying that I did them, right? The teacher? No, the girl. Oh, the girl was saying... And she that. even went to the teacher saying, yeah, Cindy was talking mess about you saying that you talk about all your students. Oh, So wow. this teacher decides to charge up a 15-year-old girl in school. Mm-hmm. Me. The teacher charged me up in the hallway. What? 
don't you ever say that I'm talking about my students ever again. I don't talk about my students. Uh, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, where's this coming from? Where's this coming from? It wasn't me. And then I get to the class. It was the, like, the next class was the exact class with with said girl. Mm -hmm. And whenever, I can tell when, when, like, they're about to like turn on me because they start to like distance themselves a little bit more, mm. start to whisper in front of me mm. or like away from me. Like it's so weird, but e- I knew that every time I wasn't in the room, they were talking about me. Like this friend group, mm-hmm. I knew every time I wasn't in the room, they were talking about me because mm-hmm. that's just how it was. Um, but this, why did you continue being friends with them? I didn't have any other friends. You didn't want to try to make any other friends? These are the only black girls in the school that I connected with. We all lived in the same neighborhood. It was mm. it was hard to not be friends with them. I see. Um, and it was hard to not want to be friends with them. Right. right. So, but you didn't have it in you to say, "Fine, let me just." I didn't know how to stand up for myself okay, back then. It wasn't that. until that, like my freshman year of college, that I actually confronted her and said, "You know, you've been bullying me since like almost kindergarten," mm. and I finally got to stand up for myself. What'd she say? She obviously denied it. Okay. But I think, like, once I left the school, I, I still wanted to be her friend. I still tried my best to be her friend. Mm-hmm. But when I started, you know, kind of blowing up on social media in 2017, I'll never forget, I still have the DM. She contacted me and was like, hey, j-, like, we, we weren't talking as much, but okay. there was no beef. Okay. Hey, just wanted to let you know, I've been sleeping with Will for the past year. Will's my ex-boyfriend. And she chose when I was blowing up to tell me. I don't know why. And the thing is, he was my ex for like the past like year and a half at this point. So I didn't really care. But I was just like, okay, thanks for letting me know. But you know, there's a pattern with that. You Mm -hmm. know, people who are just so obsessed with you in that way. It it sounds it sounds weird because it's like you're bullying me. How could you possibly be like obsessed with me? But they are in a way. And it's like they still want the things that you have. And Mm. it's like she wanted to have your ex-boyfriend. You know what I mean? And because he was your Mm ex-boyfriend. And of course, felt the need to tell you that Mm -hmm. to try to bring you down. But it's like this obsession with your life and your progress and your things and your people. Yeah. And it's really sad. It's really sad that this happens. How did you How do you now decide how you're going to make friends as an adult? Because navigating friendships as an adult is tricky. See, I think a lot of the time people villainize, I don't know why, but Black girls for like a change in like friendship groups and and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. or friends in, in general. I think as we all come of age, we sometimes make friends and sometimes we lose friends. And I think it's a natural process. Mm -hmm. I like to go into my friendships now. I I used to jump like head first. Like, I want you to be my best friend as soon as I meet you. Yeah. Like, like now you know everything about me. I'm going to introduce you to all my friends. Yeah. I'm going to introduce you to my family. I used to love bomb with friends, but not in a way that I wanted them to like, you know, wanted to manipulate them. Or maybe I did want to mani- manipulate them into sticking around. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay to admit that, you know. It's not that I, like, out of It wasn't malicious. Like, not yeah. in a malicious way, but right. it's just like, I want you around. Like, I actually feel like I care about you enough to give you opportunities and, and make sure that, you know, like, you're sticking around, you know? Yeah. So I think I found myself doing that a lot. And I had to st- take a step back mm-hmm. from doing that because I was finding myself in positions to where I had to, like, end friendships because they weren't the people that I thought that they were. Or they showed, I hate to say this term, I really hate when people say like, oh, they show the true colors, but they, like, you know, they show their true colors yeah. eventually. And it's, it's a thing to where it's like, okay, for us to be, you know, healthy, 
maybe we should just kind of not do this anymore. So I, it's a trial and error basis for me. But I think right now I have a solid core of people, mainly because I've been going by this, this specific way of life. When I had like my last like super bad like friendship breakup back in 2020, I vowed after that, I never want someone to think that our the fr- end of our friendship is like my fault and not as in a way that like, like, you know, of things I control, I, I can control. I mean, what do you mean by that? So I want people to make sure that they have a pleasant experience with me. I want to make sure that I'm leading in a pleasant experience. I know that sometimes, like, when I feel like I'm wrong, I can react really big. Mm. And my reaction to how I've been wronged, it kind of, like, overshadows anything wrong that they've done. I know exactly what you're You know saying. what I mean? Yes. Because my reaction, <laughs> my reactions to people whenever I feel wronged mm-hmm. was cussing out, mm. calling names. Okay. Um, I don't give a f about you. Like, oh, like I would go off the handles when I've been wrong, and and sometimes I would feel like it's justified, right? Yeah. But Mm -hmm. when you want to talk to people about how you feel, Mm -hmm. they're not going to listen to you when when you're when you're coming from that kind of place, right? right? So. What I used to do was kind of like brush things under the uh, under the rug that bothered me, but now what I do is I kind of like approach things as like, I care about you, you care about me. If we want to continue to care about each other, we have to hear each other out, you know, and this is how we're going to do it. We're going to talk to each other nicely and we're going to have check-ins and stuff like that. So I try to, you know, do friendship audits with my friends. Hey, do you think I'm showing up enough for you? I am. Great. Okay. Are you showing up enough for me? You are okay. Maybe these are places that we can improve. I literally do friendship audits with my friends. I literally check in and say, am I being a good enough friend to you right now? Are you having a pleasant experience with me? Because I think it's very important. Like, I, like Lauren London said, I don't like to be a burden, quote people like that. But <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. But but like Lauren um, she said, like, you know, we we don't really get to own people. We get to own the experiences that we have with these people, right? That's right. So I like to, like, make sure that it's a pleasant experience. I want you to, like, whenever you're with me, I want you to know that you're cared for, you're heard, you're listened to. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, if, our friendship doesn't work out. It's not going because I, it's not going to be because I didn't do it. I'm going to try my hardest to make sure that I'm doing my job as a friend because it is a duty. At the end of the day, we have to care about our friendships the same way we care about our relationships. I think a lot of times people care about their relationships a little more than they care about their friendships. They don't treat treat them the same until so, the relationship ends. And exactly. They go back to and their then friends. they go back to their friends. <laughs> yeah. Now. 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 I like that approach. It is difficult as mm-hmm. an adult to navigate friendships, yeah. but having a system where you are being vulnerable and honest about how you're feeling in the friendship yeah. does help. And I think for me personally, that could have really helped me in my relationships because I, like you, was kind of just letting things slide mm-hmm. and then got to the point where I got fed up and just kind of exploded. Then I had to go back and say, you know what, I'm so sorry yeah. because I shouldn't have said these things, but I don't want that to take away from what actually happened. Yeah, And I think people can appreciate that. And in my situations, they were able to say, actually, I reflected and you're right. You know, I didn't do these things. Exactly. If I think we were having more honest conversations, it would have never gotten to those points. Mm -hmm. And certain things in life can heighten these issues with friends. Like when you get engaged, when you get married, when you have children, these things will and can just Mm -hmm. change the friendship dynamics. Yeah. What I've noticed more is like jobs. 
Oh, really? Like, yeah. Because a lot of my friends are in the same field as me. Okay. Or, like, surrounding fields, like, the same as me. Mm-hmm. So, sometimes, like, it's about, like, kind of just hearing each other out. That that sometimes is is the where we kind of, like, fall short. And so, it's just a matter of making sure that you treat your friendship just like, like you said earlier, like your relationships, mm-hmm. you know? So. Yeah, that's great. And now, are you in a relationship right now? No. No, No, I am not. Um, Proudly. I'm proudly single. And I say proudly because I wasn't proudly single for a long time. Mm -hmm. I am one of those people that is a hopeless romantic. I really want to marry. Oh, I thought you said a hoe. Hope. Oh, no, girl. I I mean, what? I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. (laughs) No, I'm joking. No, I'm a hopeless. I'm a hopeless romantic. <laughs> I'm a hopeless romantic. So I really do want, like, you know, I want the flowers. I want the love. I want the the, the fireworks. I want it all. But I have found myself just not in the best relationship. So right now I'm proudly single because I am actively choosing me. And um, I wasn't doing that. I used to pander in, to my relationships, like, a lot in my past. Mm-hmm. A lot. Mm-hmm. To where I was, like, losing myself. I was one of those, like, I was a people-pleasing person. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> with your background, how you grew up, and mm-hmm. having to, to be that parent, those dynamics create these kind of personality traits. Yeah. You know, you wanted to be perfect for your parents. You wanted to be the best daughter you could be. The, yep. You know, and that translates to your relationships. Like yeah. you said, you want to be perfect. Mm-hmm. So, that usually requires you doing what you think the other person wants from you. Absolutely. And then you look up and it's like, who am I? What have I done? Absolutely. (laughs) I think um, the hardest thing with like the relationships that I've been in in the past is that, like you said, because I wanted to be as perfect as possible, I wanted to shape myself into being like these, the the image and the mold of what the men in my life wanted me to be. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if, if he wanted to go to the airport, hey, I'm dropping you off. If he, you know, wanted to take rela- the relationship in this direction, I'm following your lead. I have found myself like kind of just accepting what I thought like, you know, was the best to come. So I didn't think that I could get anything better. Mm. Um, so I would accept a man telling me, hey, you know what? I'm going to punish you by by not talking to you for a week. Right. What? Mm-hmm. That's not normal. No. Punish? Huh? Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I would experience, you know, just, let's call it light abuse. <laughs> mm-hmm. Emotionally, verbally, and um, mm-hmm. yeah. It got to the point where it was like, all right, who am I doing this for? You know, who am I doing this for? Who am I actually waiting for? And are they actually showing me that they want to be with me by doing all these things? You know, mm. I had to really like sit down with myself last year, I feel like, and think about like, okay, why are you accepting this? Why do you think that's the best that you can get? Why do you think that that's what you deserve? And once I could answer those questions for myself, kind of took like a whole hiatus on on men in general. So yeah, I'm... Proudly single. Proudly. Wow. Well, abuse is abuse. There is no light abuse. (laughs) Abuse is abuse. (laughs) Flat out. True. Are you okay with people being unhappy with you in your life? No. And I think that's where you probably 
need to kind of press in on because yeah. it's okay for people not to be happy with you. I'm not even okay with like my followers being unhappy with me. I want like people to like me so bad that like I want I over explain sometimes or I beat people to the punch. If I know they're going to talk about me, I talk about bad about myself first. Uh, you know, like yeah. I will apologize about my image. Like, sorry, guys, I might have gained weight. I'm mm. so sorry, you know, that my tummy looks like this right now. I can't count how many times I've actually done that in like my videos in the past, like before. Like I've literally introed my videos like that. I think there was a whole video which like was like my whole setup, like when I did like the group videos. Mm -hmm. There's a whole group video was like, guys, I'm so sorry that like, you know, I look so big right now. I've gained a little weight, but I feel like I always have to apologize mm -hmm. for myself before someone else has to bring it up first. Right. Because I don't want them to think I'm being dishonest or I don't want them to like, you know, think that I want to like lay all my cards out on the table because like, you know, if you don't like me at that point, okay, now I know there's nothing else I can do to make you like me. You know what I mean? But why do they need to like you? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was because of so many years like uh, in school, like mm -hmm. having to like explain myself to, to the people that like, you know, I cared about the most, my friends, mm -hmm. having to like, you know, be disliked for no reason. Yeah. Kind of like was painful to the point where it's like, okay, now that I know I can be in the control of like, you know, whether people like me or not, mm -hmm. maybe I should just get ahead of it. I see what you're you saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's something I'm still working on. I, I'm now coming to terms with the fact that like not everybody's going to like me. I, I still kind of like, you know, fight with it here and there. But um, it's something that I still kind of have to like work on. We all do. But let me tell you something. People don't even like themselves. True. So I don't know how they're going to like you. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. one of those things where you have to remember that people are finicky. They're fickle. They mm -hmm. like things in different seasons. A lot of people don't even know what they like or when it's it's just not something you can control. Yeah. And I think this is probably something that probably comes from a place of wanting to have some control. Yeah. And for you, I think that you are naturally so gifted. Thank you so much. Do you know what your actual <laughs> gift is? Have you discovered your gift? Maybe the gift of gab. I talk a lot. <laughs> that is, having a gift of gab is, is important, but that's one beautiful thing about gifts. Like mm -hmm. when you have a gift, it doesn't matter if people like it or not. They yeah. like your gift. Yeah. They're there for your gift. Mm -hmm. It's not even really about you. It's about what's inside of you yeah. that they're coming for. Mm -hmm. And people will always gravitate towards you once you are working within your gift and they will stay for themselves. Mm. They're not for you anyway. They're yeah. there for themselves. They're there to get a laugh, get advice, get some mm -hmm. makeup tips, look at something beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's for them. Mm -hmm. And I think if you remember that, it will help you to kind of create some separation between what they think and how it affects you. Yeah. If that makes sense. It's definitely something I'm working on. Like, I have to even remind myself sometimes that like, you know, that people still care. I, I have a really hard problem sometimes with thinking like, you know, that I'm like the scum of the earth. I don't know why I think that. I, I really don't know. I, I, I know. It's crazy. I don't know. I don't know either. But wow. it's something I'm still working on um, with like, like talking bad about myself, with like, you know, talking yeah. ugly to myself. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to like, you know, positively reaffirm myself mm -hmm. as much as I can, pray more mm -hmm. and just kind of remain consistent in the fact like, you know, that. I'm here for a reason. I used to say this every day. I used to post it on my stories every day so that people would know this about themselves too. But if you're breathing, you have a purpose, right? And I think sometimes, I think I stopped saying that to myself. Mm. And so I stopped remembering that 
I had a purpose or have rather a purpose. And that's why I asked you about your gift because that is intertwined with whatever purpose God created you for. Yeah. And once you find your gift, you can find the purpose that that gift was created for. Yeah. And then you can really live a life where you really are separate from other people's opinions. Now, of course you're human. Yeah. You're going to care what people think, but it won't be to the point where you are anxious coming to the world, you know, when you're bringing them something and then you're apologizing for the way that you look Mm -hmm. and you look amazing and you look, you you. know, you always do. And and even if you didn't look amazing, that's none of my business. That's that's between you and you. Yeah. You know, it's not just about how you look. Mm -hmm. You're so much more than that. And we all truly do support you and care about you. And your followers genuinely, from what I see, really love you and love your content and love your authenticity, mm-hmm. you know, because that's that's rare. And it's beautiful to see that on you. Thank you so much. That really does mean a lot. Thank you. No, it, it means a lot that you're so transparent because I think a lot of people can relate to that and understand. And I will also say you dress yourself so beautifully. <laughs> Consider, you know, because some people, when they're curvy, they mm-hmm. feel like they can't dress the way that they would like to because their body is signaling like sex or, yeah. you know, it's too much. It's, yeah. it's too over the top because of the way that God designed them. Yeah, But I love the way that you're able to make yourself look beautiful, you know, without compromising, you know, based on the shape of your body. Thank you. It took me a long time to actually work on my style to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I'm even still like kind of working and tweaking on my style because mm-hmm. like... For a long time, like, I I had this image of what I wanted to look like. Mm-hmm. And then there's trends and stuff like that, right? And lifestyle really changes a lot of stuff, too. Oh, yeah. Um, When I lived in Houston, I did not look like this. Uh, Why? I... It's a, it's a faster-paced lifestyle out there. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of ballers out there, rappers... Uh, uh, bottle girls. So how did you look? More like skimpy? Man, yes. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I, um, I mean, I was getting paid, but I was doing like lingerie shoots and stuff like that back then. And I'm just not even that person now. And like, that was like literally just two years ago. Wow. Yeah. Two, three years ago. Yeah. When I lived in Houston, it was like 2019 to 2021. And I was like living a completely, like from 2020 to 2021, that's like when like my little breakout phase. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm not like one that likes to go out and stuff like that. So I use that time to like get all of that out of my system and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. when I go out these days, I'm like, man, I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to go home. <laughs> I'd rather funny. be at home playing Sims. Ooh, please. <laughs> Sims 4 me with all the mods and CC. I'd rather do that. Right. Because I just, I'm a, I'm a person that really just kind of likes to be myself. So I've noticed like as like my lifestyle has changed over the years, mm-hmm. I've noticed my style do the same too. So I think now I'm a lot more expressive with my style because I feel like I am like my 100 complete self when it comes to like my lifestyle as well. When you talk about environment, even the people you're around can impact the way that you dress and the way that you carry yourself, Mm -hmm. right? So in your friendship groups and as you've evolved, do you now have new friends or how do you decide if someone's going to be a friend in your life? So it's not that I don't make new friends now, Mm -hmm. but I do know my solid core now. I'm, I'm at the age where... I've had, like, the people that are around me for, like, years. Mm -hmm. And I welcome new people all the time. But I feel like I decide, like, whether or not, like, you know, they're going to stick around based on how they show up for me. And and 
it's not like a one-way street, right? Because I'm always going to show up and do my part, like, you know, and ask of people what they, you know, they they expect of me okay. in our friendship, right? Right. But looking at how I'm shown up for mm-hmm. is how I'll gauge whether or not this is a mutual, mutually beneficial relationship. Okay. Um. So once, once I, I see, okay, we, we actually care about each other for real, for real. Yeah. And it kind of continues to prove itself. Mm-hmm. The friendship kind of naturally builds. It's, it's hard to like kind of let go of a person that, that wants to stick around. Yeah. Not everybody wants to though. And, and that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. So mm-hmm. when, when people like, you know, show that they want to, I don't fight it. I accept and, and, and want people in my life. I, I I'm the kind of person that. I'll have an endless list of friends maybe till the day I die. I'm, I might be 80 and make a new best friend. That's okay. That's you know? a good thing. I, I think that's good too. In life, you have different seasons and stages and people are in your life for different reasons. Yeah. And, I, I'll yeah. say season, reason, life. That's right. Season, reason, life. Okay. I think the season is like, okay, sometimes, you know, people, that just was the season that they were in. Yep. You know, I have my Houston friends whenever, like, you know, we were really close when I lived in Houston. Mm-hmm. And there's your reason friends and... The reason ones are like, okay, you taught me this lesson, That's you know, right. and and sometimes I feel like the reason friends can also be the life friends, and you know the life ones. I just feel like okay, whether we're talking every day or whether we're talking like you know every two three months or even years, yeah. you're gonna be here for life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not that I organize you you people on that basis, but uh, <laughs> you know y'all have your roles. <laughs> you know when to let it go. You, yeah, I, you know, I, you know when to let it go. You yeah. know you know when when a friendship has run its course. And I think some people kind of see that in a bad way, like oh, there's always changing friends, or they have these people running through like a revolving door and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it's mm-hmm. like, why is it a bad thing? Exactly. You know, why Why can't we experience people as they come in their different, like, phases of life and stuff like that? Why does it have to just be like, you know, I don't know, people grow, they change and stuff like that. And you can either grow with people or you can not. And that's okay. Or you can grow back with people or not. That's okay. That's Things okay. happen. This is yeah. life. It's life. <laughs> yeah. So now that you're in this place where you're taking a break from dating, but you do see yourself obviously being married to mm-hmm. a nice Igbo man, <laughs> what are some of your standards with dating that you're definitely going to pay close attention to in the future? So I wrote a prayer last year about the exact man that I wanted. And funny enough, I think that God has been giving me versions of that man mm. to kind of like test, hey, is this him? You know? Yeah. And it's like, 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 I mean, obviously he knows who he is. Obviously God knows who he is. I don't yet, but I think God has been like giving me different versions of what I like, you know, see kind of a line mm-hmm. so that I can be a little more like cognizant mm-hmm. of, of the men that are in my life. Okay. You know what I mean? So what I, you know, my standards are... I want someone that is nice. That's like literally my first standard. I think that people like, you know, would think that my first standard, because I love a good tall man. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all, I think we all think, do. I think we all do. But, you know, they like me too, so. <laughs> and you're tiny. I am tiny. It's like, why do the short girls want the tall guys? It's Leave not my fault. Tall guys it's tall not girls. my fault they want me back. <laughs> I also have like, you know, my, my physical attributes of what I want in a man, you know, tall. And, Honestly, they actually don't have to be Igbo. It's just mm-hmm. what I prefer, like, you know, mm-hmm. culturally-wise. And, like, you know, not wanting my culture to die because, you know, the Igbo culture, there's a whole different conversation about, like, you know, how the Igbo culture kind of is a dying culture. But anyway, I want someone that's nice, first and foremost, because I haven't experienced that many nice guys. I want to just 
add something to that. Mm -hmm. I know I'm adding to your list. No, you're fine. But (laughs) Mm -hmm. when you say nice, I think maybe the word you may want to think about is kind. Kind. Yeah. Because nice, everyone can be nice. Everyone is nice. It's so performative and it's so deceiving. Yeah. But kindness is something that you can see. You're right. You're right. I do want someone kind. Mm -hmm. Kind is actually the word. Yeah. I want someone kind. Someone that like actually wants to hear what like, you know, I have to say. I think my worries sometimes are often overlooked in my relationships because I put like the thoughts of my my partner first. Mm-hmm. And I, I care a lot about what they think and what they want. Mm-hmm. And I kind of don't care about myself in the process. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I want someone that actually wants to listen to me. Um, this is a new one that I've added. I want healthy yelling. Healthy yelling. Yes. What is healthy yelling? Okay. So in my family, right? We always know that we're going to love each other, right? But sometimes when we have disagreements, there's healthy yelling. Okay. There's healthy yelling. (laughs) I want to be able to kind of sometimes like express myself healthily, Mm -hmm. not like say names or anything like that, like nothing like that's unhealthy wise or anything like that. But Mm -hmm. I want to be able to like, you know, sometimes like scream when I'm upset, Mm -hmm. you know, and not be looked at like I'm crazy. I know that's a weird thing to want, but no. like I, I, I want to be able to like healthily argue. And they know that you still love them. It's, it's coming not, from a place of love. It's yeah. just part of your personality exactly. coming out kind of thing. And I, 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 I think there's like only one guy that I was able to like ever like really yell at in a conversation. I think the last guy that I dated, seriously, mm-hmm. I was even scared to even bring up when I was upset about something with him. I never yelled at him, Mm -hmm. never raised my voice, but it was scary for me to bring up that, you know, hey, I would like for you to see me more. I would like for you to talk to me more. Mm -hmm. And I was scared to ever bring that up because every time I did, he said that he was being lectured. Oh, and I was like, wow. me expressing my concerns about our relationship yeah. is lecturing you, dude. Like, come on. Yeah, he he's not mature. Exactly. So, like, communication is something like I, I'm really, really huge on, and mm-hmm. my love language is words of affirmation. Like, okay. that's that's my prime love language. Okay. Uh, my primary love language is words of affirmation, and so I think that like I want someone that that knows how to talk to me and make me feel good about myself. I've been torn down a lot by like some of the men I've dated Mm -hmm. and I've let it happen. Like I've, I've started to even believe that that's like, you know, that, that their words were true. I remember one time I told my ex like, oh yeah, you know, I want to lose 30 pounds. He was like, if you lose any more weight, I'm I'm leaving you. What? Yeah. (laughs) He's like, I don't like skinny women. If you lose any more weight, I'm leaving you. Oh no. Yeah. Like I just, it's just, it's, it's, to the point where I love myself enough mm-hmm. to where, like, if I'm not receiving that same amount of love that I give myself from you, I don't want it anymore. So, like, kindness, communication, and healthy yelling are, like, my top three. And also, like, you know, there's physical attributes as well. But, like, wow. you know, I feel like those don't matter as much because I'm not going to talk to you if I'm not attracted to you anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, right. you know, that doesn't even matter, you know, you know. No, any man, <laughs> any man dating you is so so blessed to have you because you, you come with Thank you. so much, and you'll you'll have that man. God will definitely bring that man to you. Amen. What is your relationship with God like? So my relationship with God has gotten a lot closer lately. Good, I love that for me. I was in a really dark place last year to where I thought he abandoned me. I actually just talked about this in the TikTok. I really thought he left me. 
Um, mm-hmm. I started to see like, you know, other people kind of getting opportunities and and blessings that I wanted mm-hmm. so bad. Mm-hmm. And I was in a place where I just felt like forgotten by the people in my life, by God. I, I was in a dark, dark place. And that's coming from like me being a Sunday school teacher mm. to like me just not praying at all. Oh, wow. So you went from being a Sunday school teacher to not even praying. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So wow. as of recently, mm-hmm. I want to say like in the past like three months type, okay. you know, I've been praying a lot more, doing my Bible study. And and just I want to emphasize on praying a lot more because like I think we kind of get lost in religion versus like relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we get lost in like what the idea of like the church is and the judgmental part of it all. And we forget sometimes that our relationship with God is actually the most important, our personal relationship with God. Yes. Because whatever you do, my mom loves to say, whatever you do is between you and your God. <laughs> you know, because it's all personal to every person. Every it's relationship sure is. is personal. Yes. So I would like, you know, my, my relationship with God is like, we talk a lot more now. Mm-hmm. I ask directly for signs and guidance. Mm-hmm. And I'm a lot more comfortable in doing that now as opposed to where I wasn't before because I just thought I was forgotten. But yeah, I think it's important to like treat every day like you're God's favorite because like you are. Everybody's God's favorite. He hasn't forgotten about any of us. And he doesn't leave you. He ever. does not. Sometimes he will distance himself a little bit mm-hmm. in order for you to seek him more. Yeah. And to kind of bring yourself in a different way to him so he can reveal a different side of himself to you. Exactly. But your days have already been planned before you were born. Like he exactly. knows everything that he's planned for you and he has mm-hmm. great plans for your life. But sometimes it does feel like that. And they say that the teacher is quiet when the students are taking the test, right? Yeah. So sometimes you're in a season of just testing mm-hmm. and watching and He's, but he's always, always watching over you. He's always looking after you. He never leaves you. And you don't have to ever worry about that. Yeah. He'll always show up when the time comes to show up. Exactly. He'll never exactly. leave you. <laughs> exactly. So I'm really, I'm really glad that you're back in a, in a good place. And Thank I you. hope that you're able to have a wonderful testimony for us next time we see you about where God has brought you in your Absolutely. life. Absolutely. Every testimony requires a test. That's that's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Cindy. You've been such a wonderful guest and a blessing to us all. Thank you for having Where me. Where can they find you? Okay, everyone can find me on every social media platform, TikTok, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube. Wow. <laughs> At Cinderella OG. And I have a podcast as well, Settling Podcast. And we're also on Instagram at Settling Podcast as well. And yeah, that's, that's where you can find me. Yeah, so definitely take a look at her. You will have a great time consuming her content. She is a breath of fresh air. Thank you. Thank you for bringing your beautiful self to us today. Thank and- you for having me. <laughs> and thank you all for watching. Bye-bye. Bye.